Was I wrong on CO2 recently when I said it was the most toxic gas in a modern car's exhaust? I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au New cars cheap, Australia only, website, card. Now, I do love roasting a good twat in a Tesla. The insufferable vegans of the alternative powertrain universe. Like anyone who approaches plugging it in that orgasmically deserves a good hard look in the mirror at the very least. But I note a balancing effect in play in the twat universe, which, like all other universes, abhors a vacuum and that would be the rise of the CO2 evangelising twat. CO2 is good and there is no climate emergency, and even if there was, humans couldn't control the weather. Governments have been using the fake CO2 as warming the planet, or man-made climate change, the same way they use COVID. Plant growers know more CO2 means more green. More CO2 means more food and oxygen for humans. It's really outrageous what governments are getting away with. Thank you, Wanda, for your awesome contribution to literature, which should also be an effective deterrent to extraterrestrial first contact. I hate it when the education system leaves anyone behind. We've got twats in Teslas and CO2 evangelists on a self-correcting seesaw. The theory of self-levelling twat symbiosis perhaps. Who's next? Dave Brown. (laughs) Dave-o was triggered just a bit, like you can tell, whenever it's war and peace, it's not going to be this vomit-type tsunami of happiness and you've done a great job, mate, is it? So, I especially like Dave's bit. I won't inflict the whole thing on you, but the bit about deaths plummeting from famine at the same time as the skyrocketing population, all thanks to CO2 over the past 150 years being, quote, the font of all life, unquote. That's just a little evangelical, don't you think? You could do this too. This is a fantastic thought experiment. You just graph the human lifespan, the average human lifespan, which the way you're looking at it now, is like, for 150 years, dead before you're 40, to living to 100, aspirationally, kind of thing. Just graph it against the use of hydrocarbons in the same time, and guess what, dude? They're the same graph. And there is an inescapable conclusion to be drawn from all of that. And twats in Teslas hate this, okay? But the conclusion is that hydrocarbon exploitation is the best thing that's ever happened to human health. That's just a fact. And if we're having a debate and you're on the no side, then get ready to lose because there's no other conclusion. Hydrocarbons, best thing that's ever happened to human health. And I'm not saying we shouldn't embrace other potential alternatives as well, quite the opposite, but you can't escape this conclusion. And they're not the best thing because they're so fucking healthy, like coal mining, historically, so good for human health. It's not that at all. It's that the exploitation of hydrocarbon energy freed up 
the best minds in the business. No longer did every human have to suffer through 16-hour days of back-breaking work just to feed themselves. We freed up the best minds in the business to innovate, and that's what catalyzed this staggering tsunami of technological advancement, which led to all kinds of things like hydrocarbon fertilizer and antibiotics, so good for human health, and CAT scanners and blah, blah, blah. And now everybody statistically is living into their 70s or 80s or perhaps even further. I could be wrong, but I don't think carbon dioxide is actually toxic. Para wing Delta 2 there could be wrong, unquote. I love it when these dudes give themselves the benefit of the doubt. I would respectfully argue that things are far more concrete than that in the domain of wrongness or not. And while we're on the subject, Para Wing Delta Two was Jockstrap 6 already spoken for? The management of carbon dioxide poisoning requires the immediate removal of the casualty from the toxic environment, the administration of oxygen, and appropriate supportive care. Golly gee, Jim Bob, I don't think Organisations such as the US National Library of Medicine typically takes all that much poetic licence with use of words including poisoning and toxic. You could also Google the term hypercapnia, C-A-P-N-I-A, for more on CO2 toxicity. So there's that. Another fake-named Muppet said, the most toxic gas in modern cars is CO2, unquote. Incorrect statement. CO2 by definition is not a toxic gas and is of course essential for existence. Any non-toxic gas in a confined space that displaces oxygen could kill you, i.e. nitrogen, helium, etc. Well, that begs an obvious question, doesn't it? Like, why did they bother giving CO2 toxicity an actual name? if it's also friggin' healthy. Why did they bother with all the drama on Apollo 13, you know? The hasty adaptation of the CO2 scrubbing lithium hydroxide canisters from the command module to the LEM just to keep things ticking over. Maybe they were just giving Jim and the boys something to do during the long trip home. There is a kernel of truth here, of course. You can drown in CO2, like asphyxiate. You can drown in any gas that displaces the nitrogen-oxygen mixture that we're breathing now, because obviously, in the absence of oxygen, you end up dead. This is a particular risk in industry, right? Because, for example, if you want to go into a big steel tank in a petrochemical refinery and weld up some defect in the tank... If the tank's been home of hydrocarbon for the past, I don't know, several years, then this is inherently a risky undertaking, right? So you've got to eliminate the risk of combustion. Otherwise, you make the news. So what do you do? You typically get nitrogen, a lot of it, and you flood the tank with nitrogen. You displace all of the air so there's no more oxygen. Then you can go in with your welder and just weld up whatever defect. Obviously, you have to wear breathing apparatus to do that because otherwise it's unthinkable. You end up dead, everything feels great, and then, and 
someone from OH&S has to fill out a form and uh, confronting telephone calls need to be made and things of that nature, best avoided. <coughs> it agree. But CO2 in particular is heavier than air, so if a lot of it escapes, it'll run away and sink down and find low spots, which is a bit of a bastard if you live in a valley, right, and enough of it escapes. So, yeah, you can absolutely drown slash asphyxiate in CO2 or any other gas that displaces air. But the salient difference between nitrogen, for example, and CO2 is that CO2 is also toxic and it will kill you even if there is plenty of oxygen remaining in the air that you're breathing right now. You misspoke at 12 minutes 25. You said CO2 is the most toxic ice exhaust gas when I'm sure you meant carbon monoxide or CO. I'm not that guy normally, but hundreds of millions of people have been brainwashed into believing CO2 is actual pollution when it's no more a pollutant than oxygen is. So I was compelled to say something. The slimy limey there. What a pity Mr. and Mrs. Slimy Limey couldn't come up with a more catchy slash compelling name for their Mensa award-winning firstborn child. Can I fundamentally disagree with all of that? The? According to the US National Institute of Health, I'm going to refer to my notes now if you don't mind, car exhaust is roughly 13% carbon dioxide and it's also 13% water. They're the two fundamental combustion byproducts. After all, you burn hydrocarbons, you get CO2 and water. So what's coming out of a car exhaust? 13% CO2, 13% water, 73% nitrogen gas. Like the air that you're breathing right now is 78% nitrogen gas, 21% oxygen, 1% everything else. Okay, so Basically, in an internal combustion engine, nitrogen just gets warmed up on the way through. A small amount of it can react with oxygen in a lean burn condition, but it's only bee's dick, okay? The majority of nitrogen gas overwhelmingly just gets heated up on the way through. So 73% nitrogen gas and the balance sort of 1% everything else, right? So for every thousand litres of car exhaust that comes out of the arse end of a car, it's 130 litres of CO2. Now, according to the Iowa State University in their Department of Agricultural and Biosystems Engineering, modern car exhaust is about 1,000 parts per million carbon monoxide. That's one-tenth of 1%. Carbon monoxide is a properly dangerous gas, we'll get to that, but there's a very small amount of it coming out of a modern car. Key word here, modern, meaning with the latest emissions regulations and a catalytic converter. Because there's a lot of carbon monoxide being produced by the engine, but most of it is being taken out by the catalytic converter. And only one-tenth of one percent by volume is carbon monoxide. And the same could be said for all of the other combustion byproducts. Like, you can't mitigate out CO2 from exhaust. You can't mitigate out the water. The water doesn't really matter. But 
Everything else that's a product of inefficient combustion, like oxides of nitrogen, carbon monoxide, unburnt hydrocarbons, volatile organics, particles, all of that crap, sulfur dioxide, they're all combustion byproducts that are the result of imperfect combustion, and they can be mitigated. And in fact, the regulators and car makers have done a spectacular job cleaning up car exhausts since about the mid-70s. But modern car, car exhaust, about one litre for every 1,000 is carbon monoxide versus 130 litres for carbon dioxide, okay? Just stick those numbers in your head. You can do it, dude, even if you didn't pay attention at school. There's 130 times more carbon dioxide coming out of a modern car compared with the amount of carbon monoxide coming out, okay? So there's a couple of caveats on this for the amount of carbon monoxide coming out of the car. The car needs to be warm, like at its normal operating temperature and conditions because catalytic converters don't work when the car is cold. There needs to be no pre-cat leaks in the exhaust, so no defects in the exhaust system before the catalytic converter. You don't want to let out untreated exhaust, in other words, and there needs to be sufficient oxygen remaining in the air so that the catalytic converter can do its thing, which is the mad voodoo of trapping carbon monoxide, getting a bit of atmospheric oxygen and converting carbon monoxide to carbon dioxide, which is less harmful, okay? But it still means there's 130 times more carbon dioxide coming out of the car exhaust compared with the amount of carbon monoxide that's coming out. Now, if you've got an older car with no catalytic converter and stuff like that, then it's virtually unregulated exhaust, it can be 30 times or even more carbon monoxide. So carbon monoxide is spectacularly dangerous in older vehicles without catalytic converters. But in modern cars, the amount of carbon monoxide that is actually produced out of the tailpipe, if everything's functioning properly, it's really, really quite low. The EPA emission standards have reduced the amount of carbon monoxide produced by over 95%. Iowa State University there reinforcing that key point that the Brainiacs have done a sensational job mitigating the properly heinous shit, which is amenable to mitigation, out of car exhaust over four to five decades. See, Exhaust emissions from 1970 versus exhaust emissions from 2020, not the same thing, not even close. Regulators need to take a bow on this one as well because they painted the car industry into a corner where they had to get the propeller heads to act with mad voodoo type countermeasures that basically improved human health because this is what emissions regulations are and the improvement over this time has been nothing short of staggering. So if we want to get to the bottom of what is now the most toxic thing coming out of a modern car exhaust, we need to run a thought experiment but we need to do it with some boundaries in play, right? 
when I say toxic, I'm not talking about trace element toxins that you breathe in and then 30 years later the doctor says to you, I'm sorry, you've got lung cancer. Not talking about that. I'm talking about what's going to kill you first. You're in a room, you're locked in a room, there's no windows open, whatever, with a modern car and it's running and you can't escape. It's like a bad horror movie, you know. What's going to kill you first? There's that. I'm also not talking about what is more toxic because carbon monoxide in the abstract, is more toxic than CO2 because you need less of it to kill you. What I'm talking about is what's actually going to get you if you are locked in that room. And I propose we run a mad experiment. And we should call our mad experiment Schrodinger's twat. No actual twats will be harmed. It's just a thought experiment. What we do is we get one of these CO2 evangelizing hypothetical twats and we lock them in that horror chamber, that warehouse with no ventilation, with a running modern car. And we use facts and logic to figure out what's going to kill Schrodinger's twat first. So as for the facts, you've got... This concept in industry, there are safe levels of exposure to all kinds of things, including radiation, right? But also to things like carbon monoxide and carbon dioxide in industry, because so many industrial processes produce both of those things. And there's a concept, right? Immediately dangerous to life and health. For CO2, that concentration is 40,000 parts per million. And for carbon monoxide, it's 1,500. So if you divide 40,000 by 1,500, you get about 27. Let's call it 27 just for shits and giggles. So that means you need 27 times more CO2 in an environment for it to be immediately dangerous to life and health compared with carbon monoxide. And they're both coming out of that car exhaust and Schrodinger's twat is there. What's going to get him first, right? Remember earlier when I said that in a modern car exhaust, for every 1,000 litres of actual exhaust, there's 130 litres of carbon dioxide and one litre of carbon monoxide. This means that the amount of CO2 being produced is 130 times greater than carbon monoxide over time, and it only needs to be 27 times greater to achieve that immediately dangerous to life and health limit of 40,000 parts per million. So what's going to happen to Schrodinger's twat over time, trapped in that hell-on-earth scenario, is that the CO2 level is going to rise to the point that it is immediately dangerous to life and health well before the carbon monoxide level is going to achieve the same limit. So the thing that's going to knock Schrodinger's twat off his perch is CO2, proving, I guess, once and for all, that fate is not without a sense of freaking irony. So furthermore, I'd suggest that if CO2 was not toxic... Why did some brainiac sit down and design a CO2 scrubber for Apollo and the Space Shuttle, the International Space Station, every frickin' submarine on Earth, and you know those high-tech rebreathers that military divers use so that they don't show the enemy where they are with bubbles, right? 
they're all using CO2 scrubbers and they're not doing it because there's insufficient oxygen in the air that all of those people in those environments are breathing. They're doing it because the CO2 is inherently dangerous and it's just going to knock you off your perch despite the amount of oxygen that might be left in the air. So any suggestion that CO2 is not toxic is ridiculous, okay? When you suffocate from nitrogen gas, you die because there's no oxygen to breathe, right? But as Wikipedia puts it, and this is a bit of a lengthy quote, I'm sorry to do this to you, but it's important for context. There's a whole Wikipedia page on rebreathers because they're not just a scuba thing. They're used everywhere. If you don't scrub the CO2 out of the air and you attempt to rebreathe it, it will rapidly build up in the recycled gas, resulting almost immediately in mild respiratory distress and rapidly developing into further stages of hypercapnia or carbon dioxide toxicity. A high ventilation rate is usually necessary to eliminate the metabolic product carbon dioxide. The breathing reflex is triggered by CO2 concentration in the blood, not by the oxygen concentration. So even a small buildup of CO2 in the inhaled gas quickly becomes intolerable. If a person tries to directly rebreathe their exhaled breathing gas, they will soon feel an acute sense of suffocation. So rebreathers must remove the CO2 in a component known as a carbon dioxide scrubber. The rough translation of all of that for this debate is that when CO2 kills you, it's not because it displaces the oxygen in the air. There can be plenty of oxygen in the air. What happens is you take a breath, there's not much CO2 in the breath generally, and that means haemoglobin in your blood has an easy time getting the CO2 that your body produces by metabolizing glycogen and just throwing it into the air mass that you've just breathed in. Then you breathe out and the CO2 goes away, you breathe in a fresh light, all good. If you're breathing in an environment where the CO2 level is coming up and up and up, it gets harder for haemoglobin to do its mad voodoo and throw that CO2 away. When the partial pressure of CO2 gets to roughly 40,000 parts per million, that level blocks haemoglobin from throwing away any more CO2 and you feel like you are in hell. You are hyperventilating and you can't breathe enough. You just can't. You, it's physically impossible for you to breathe enough to do your thing because the mechanism is broken. You can breathe plenty. It's just not doing its job. And this is not suffocation. This is being poisoned by CO2. It's a chemical block on respiration or the biochemistry of respiration. You're breathing heaps. It's just not functioning. And it is not a pleasant way to go by all accounts. Read the biography of at least half of the sailors who died on the uh, nuclear submarine, the Kursk, Soviet submarine in the Barents Sea in 2000, okay? It's unputdownable but grim. Not a fun way to go, even if you're shredding as twat. So make no mistake, CO2 is toxic. That's just a fact.